and welcome to Rewind Reviews, a podcast where usually one of us picks a film from our past. Um, we go back and forth and then we review it. Um, we The last couple of weeks I think we vaguely forgot the structure of this podcast that I noticed. Um, because what we what we usually do is give overall thoughts at the beginning and say whether we recommend it or not before we go into spoilers. We've not been doing that. We've just been waiting till the end to do that um, the last couple. So apologies. Um... Yeah, it's one of those things. Um, this week, we've done something slightly different, however, as we've decided um, that it'd be fun to look at a film neither of us had seen and we didn't have a connection to, but was a movie that kind of fits into that sort of um, that idea of uh, a nostalgic movie. And the way it was selected was a bit odd. Um, I was on the hunt for something neither of us had seen that might be good. And um, it was like a weird Reddit thread of like underrated classics. And this got brought up and a bunch of people were like quoting it underneath. And it seemed to have a bit of a... Know, something, something, something resembling like a cult following. Um, so I selected last week. The film is Drop Dead Gorgeous. Now, normally at this stage in the podcast, we do our history with the film. But my history with the film is that. <laughs> I had not heard yes, of um, the film until uh, I saw it on that Reddit thread. And I don't think Chris... And my history of the film is Dan said, watch this film. And then I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so, we, so what we'll do is we'll skip that part because there is no histories. And I'll go to a very, very quick summary of the film, and then we can do some spoiler-free thoughts. So, for those who don't know, Drop Dead Gorgeous is a um, film from 1999 um, that uh, sort of covers a sort of middle America, like, you know, it's not middle America, uh, Minnesota specifically, um, beauty pageant um, that happens in, like, a small town they've got, and the way that sort of uh, divides people, I guess. Um, it looks at issues of class and whether these beauty pageants are acceptable at all, but it is essentially a sort of 90s comedy. Um, comedy first is the operative words, um, but with a very unusual, this 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 uh, mockumentary style, which at the time was not, was not as commonplace as it is today. You know, we're post-Spinal Tap, sure, but we're not The Office. You know, we're not, we're not in a world where, like, so, so so to have a movie that is, we're, we're not in a world where that's very common. So you know, to have a movie that's this kind of um, uh, focus, like at least like gen- committed to that premise, that w- could have also just been a big like normal comedy vehicle about a beauty pageant. You know, this could have been a Clueless. It could have been a Romy and Michelle. Um, and they they took arguably a very big risk on this movie, so it is very interesting. Uh, but that's that's the basic setup: is that you've got a bunch of quite interesting characters all sort of applying to be in uh, and 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 win this beauty pageant, and then how that all plays out and how it sort of tears apart people and stuff. Um, uh, it's Kirsten Dunst, Denise Richards, Alison Janning, um, Brittany Murphy, uh, Kirstie Alley, who's amazing in this movie, uh, Amy Adams. Um, yeah, it's it's an incredible cast. Um, so yeah, I, I, what did you think, Chris? We'll get straight into spoiler-free thoughts. Um, it's this is a weird movie, isn't it, Dan? <laughs> like, there were points where I laughed out loud. One point in particular, one joke in particular, really, really made me laugh. Can I can um, I guess what that was? Because Nadia also highlighted the joke as well. Yes, have a guess. Is it the cops thing? No, it wasn't. No. Okay, because that payoff, both me and Nadia like died at. <laughs> No, it was the it was the um she she she's like singing <laughs> so basically 
what Denise Richards' character is is doing all she can, oh, quite literally, yes. um, to to win <laughs> the beauty also pageant, a good one. and and she starts singing "You're Just Too Good to Be True," and you're like, "How's she going to spin this?" And then a big a big old model of Jesus on a crucifix comes out, and she sings to Jesus, and she sings, and that, as she yeah, sings, that, "I love you, baby." <laughs> I love you, baby, to Jesus. That made me that made me laugh a lot. Yeah. Um, a lot of the movie made me feel depressed because this this they really make you dislike Denise Richards' character uh, and Kirstie Alley's character. That is who Kirstie Alley plays her mum, doesn't mm-hmm. she? Yeah. Um, and for a lot of the film, they seem to be getting away with it. <laughs> it's it just a uh, logic. You kind of have to push a bit like Fast and the Furious last week. You sort of have to put logic and push logic aside with some of this mm-hmm. um, and just accept the tone. Um, so that made me feel depressed. Some of it has aged horribly. This movie is way too liberal with a certain word, uh, beginning with R, mm-hmm. which, you know, because Jess, Jess, um, Jess kind of woke up and I listened, I watched the last bit of this kind of not on mute and stuff. And uh, and Jess was like, when was this movie made? And I told her and she was like, mm, maybe. And I was like, but even... I can think of some films, like maybe like there's something about Mary, maybe, that are quite liberal with that word. But this this film does it in a really like mean spirited way. way. Yes, yeah. We'll talk about it. Really mean spirited. We'll come back to that because that is a whole discussion, I think. But yes, yes, it's a big. Uh, there's there's a lot of uncomfortable humour. Uh, there's some outright racist humor about mexico at the end and it, ugh, i get it the, the, you could defend that going well the character that's you're laughing at the characters but mm-hmm. um, i don't th- yeah still uncomfortable uh and a lot of the jokes about anorexia um were also very uncomfortable so a lot of the film's very mean-spirited and sort but sort of has this i think most films with sort of this dark mean-spirited tone like i I don't think I've seen it, uh, but I understand South Park, for example, the South Park movie is that. But they're not necessarily also correct. I might be wrong. I should have picked maybe an example that I've seen. But it's it's kind of, I think, the film jars from this mean-spirited, like, people just die and it's a joke tone, which, you know, you can make work. But at the same time, it wants to do quite a heartfelt tone and quite a heartfelt story with Kirsten Dunst's character. Um, And those two things clash a bit and make it quite a weird movie. Um, The performances are fantastic. And I think in the hands of lesser actors, like this young cast, especially, like, you know, Dan's already listed some of the names, but Brittany Murphy, Kirsten Dunst, um, Denise Richards, Amy Adams. Like, these are all people that, um, obviously, tragedy struck Brittany Murphy. But these are all people that went on to have incredible careers. In in mm. the hands of lesser talented actresses, this movie, I think, loses the charm that it does have. With those there, it is in places amusing, in places charming. But I think overall, there's... Uh, overall, I struggled with the stuff that is offensive is very offensive. And there's sort of a clash between... One minute, you know, a character dies and it's played as a joke, which, again, I don't particularly object to. Plenty of movies have made that work. Um, And then, you know, actually wanting to feel quite sorry for the Kirsten Dunst character and and feel the heart of that story. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a strange film. I didn't didn't hate it at all. Um, Yeah, it's the kind of film that you watch and go, 
but review this for an hour and a half. Um, you know, that's that's a that's a lot, if not most, of my thoughts. Uh, what what do you, what did you think overall, Dad? Um, I you know what, Chris, I've got not often this happens. I think I disagree. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I I loved this movie. I thought this was first of all one of the funniest movies we've reviewed in terms of just the cons- consistency and rate of jokes in this movie was absurd. Like it, I I I laughed out loud more than I think I've laughed out loud watching. Oh, I'm trying to think. Is there any other movie in this in, that we've done on Rewind Reviews where I've laughed out loud this much? Tucker and Dale. Yeah, I did laugh a lot at Tucker and Dale. Maybe Tucker and Dale's a little bit. This, but the joke rate in this movie is ridiculous. It's just mm. joke after joke after joke. And it is absolutely relentless. And they're pretty. The, the hit rate on those jokes is really good. Now, here's the thing. I do think the movie suffers for making the choice to focus on being funny over its story and characters at any given time. Would I have preferred um, a different ending? We'll get into the details of why in a bit for one of the characters to help make the point that some of the movie was trying to make. Some of its some of its more satirical elements, looking at like you know certain sections of American culture, are maybe hurt by its determination to just for, like to throw stuff away just for the sake of being funny. But with that said. I had such a good time with the comedy in the film and then all the performances on top of it. I forgave it a fair amount of that. So I don't think when I say I disagree, I guess what I really mean is I had a, I had a different experience. I, 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 I see the points that you're making, um, but they, none of them were a problem for me. And particularly for me, in terms of the uncomfortable slash offensive stuff, I'll be honest with you, Chris, I was actually really amazed at how they handled that. And I'm almost impressed because I think the way they did it was almost with an office level of poise about making it very clear the character is wrong. The thing that's happening is wrong. The only exception to that, for me, was how they handled the the, the, the storyline you highlighted first with the use of the R word as you, you, you used it, which it did feel like it had nothing to say about anything. It never indicated anyone was wrong for behaving the way they behaved around this character. They, it was deeply mean-spirited. And we'll get into the details of that when we get more into the sort of spoilery section of the review. But I hated every element of that. And apparently that whole character, or most of that character stuff, was added post by the studio. Makes a lot of sense to me. Because it isn't handled... Everything else in this movie that you could argue is in some way offensive or uncomfortable is is almost always a David Brent-esque character that he, he, the movie is telling you is wrong. The movie isn't presenting the character as being in the right when they say the thing they say that's uncomfortable so for me like you know the the the, none of that was really a problem for me except for that one character that we'll come to yeah that's fair Uh, and that's why i i gave that defense when saying that yeah you did you did you absolutely did and and i'm and i'm sort of i'm i'm sort of coming in saying that that defense is is the one i'm going for because because that's what wasn't a problem for me why it wasn't a problem for me um but at the same time equally I totally see that somebody might not pick, you know, might not feel that way about it, might just not like the, you know, because again, that's a fine line anyone's walking, right? You know, if you're writing it and you want the audience to sense that you you don't agree with this as a writer and you're, you're you're making a bad character or a character that is designed to be wrong, you know, say this to almost make the opposite point. That's a very 
hard thing to get right. And it's one of the reasons I was so impressed with this film, I think, because, you know, I, I, I do think Ricky Gervais, for all of his flaws, um, especially in recent years, you know, what he achieved with The Office was remarkable, right? Even at the time, David Brent was a risky character to put on television, you know? Mm, for sure. In, even in that climate where things were a lot less, where people were a lot less aware of, you know, certain stuff. But with a very deaf hand, and you know, there's a reason the man won a bunch of BAFTAs for the show, you know, uh, along with Stephen Merchant. They, they very carefully threaded a needle when they wrote that show so that the audience trusted that these weren't their beliefs, but were the beliefs of characters. And actually... By having the idiot character say the thing, they were saying the opposite thing. This idiot believes this, so you know it's wrong. And this movie does the exact same thing before The Office got there. (laughs) By quite some years. Is it as skillfully done and executed? No, I don't think so. I think there's more room to misinterpret this movie than there is The Office. But, again... It's still well done enough for me to get up for, for for me to get away with it, and I had an absolute blast watching this. I thought it was so funny, very enjoyable, a nice brisk hour and a half. Which, in a world where at the moment movies like for, for those listening, we're 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 in sort of award season, recording this like back in sort of um what shit? What month even is it? It's March. It's March. Um, so you know, it's like movies like Tar and fucking fablemans that are like 16 hours long just like dominating sort of the, the market at the moment um on that can, can we this is completely irrelevant but can we on award season can we just everything everywhere all at once oh, yes. won an oscar baby best picture it won, it won all the oscars it won, it won like i mean yeah it, literally won all the oscars yeah, but yeah. <laughs> i was a little sad for banshees of inner because i thought i thought at least save one for banshees right come on <laughs> No, all the spares went to All Quiet on the Western Front, didn't they? <laughs> Which is also a great movie. I, I also very much enjoyed. But I, I think Banshee's Been Sharon is like one of my like top couple of films from the last year. I was very sad it didn't win more. Um, but, you know, if it's not going to go to Banshee's, yeah, everything everyone was, wants. Absolutely was there incredible. something in, and this is, we'll spend two minutes max on this, but I saw a comment from you in the Discord that seemed to indicate, and I might have just read it wrong, that you di- that you didn't think, Jamie Lee Curtis should win best. Is that right? Or what correct? Was, it was yeah, she about... was of the five nominees. She was at best, most charitably, the fourth best performance on that list. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what it said. I just wanted to check that because I, I haven't seen the other nominees, so I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm not informed. She but, wasn't yeah, even. She I'm wasn't curious. even the best person nominated from everything ever all at once. It was. <laughs> it was the most baffling award I've ever seen. Like, look, I get it. Jamie Lee Curtis has been in the industry for a long time. She's never had an Oscar. She was nominated. I feel like it was a little bit like um, similar what had to happen with Leo and The Revenant, where Leo wasn't even the best performance in The Revenant, and he got the Oscar for it. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, Tom Hardy was a better was gave a better performance in that movie than Leo did. Um, uh, you know, um, so yeah, I yeah, I definitely uh, yeah, uh, it's a weird place to have this <laughs> to have this one, but yeah, I hundred percent. Jamie Lee Curtis was like fourth most deserved, least fourth most least deserving depending on your perspective. I guess she was the fourth one down for me. I'd have put three other actresses right. ahead of her by quite some way. And it's not that she gave a bad performance and everything ever all at once. It's just you know it was a stiff competition this year. It was the most stacked category to be fair. And on another year, she'd have been a much more acceptable choice. But um, 
No. <laughs> no. Just, no. No. Fair enough. No, I'm just curious. Yeah. I'm just curious. Mm. Um, cool. So going back to this film, yeah, no, that's I. I completely get that take. I, 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 I genuinely do. Like I, I can, like I say, I didn't, I didn't not enjoy it. Just some of those things were were big issues for me. Um, but I, I certainly one element of your take that I'm like, yeah, no, you've got to no matter even if you'd come out of it not enjoying it, you've got to go fucking hell. Is how early it did you know mockumentary how how powerfully yes. it, it did that stuff oh and to finish your point yeah any any time on rewind reviews we do a movie that's like an hour and a half i'm like yeah baby <laughs> let's strap in yeah it's just it's so nice isn't it because because like you know we're watching movies from sort of the 80s 90s early 2000s is kind of our window right that's kind of like our the era we grew up watching movies in and discovering movies in so you know a lot of the films come from that period of time not necessarily strictly that but that's that's like you know the the, the vast majority and it just feels like in that era they were much tighter with movies they were i don't know what's happening at the minute like and then some movies do earn and deserve three-hour runtimes. You know, Return of the King in two thousand and whatever went out to cinemas with a massive, massive runtime and earned that. You know, <laughs> and, and used it well. But uh, so it's not to say movies didn't come out with those lengths in that period, but mostly they were much tighter and better for it. I think. I think. I think modern films need to start taking the scissors to their movies a bit more. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I the think amount of fair. films, I, the um, amount of films recently I've seen where I'm like, that was good, but you could have cut like, easily thirty minutes out of that. Easily thirty yeah. minutes, and that is the the fact that I'm saying that about like sixty percent of the movies I'm seeing is that's too many. <laughs> that's too high a percentage. When did that? Because there was a British film about confetti, wasn't it? When did that mm-hmm. come out? I feel like that was a, was that a similar time. Um, I, that was definitely after The Office. Um, Oh yeah, I, no, that was two thousand and six. So yeah, yeah. no, I loved I loved confetti though. Confetti's great. Yeah, that was uh, seven years after this film. Yeah, wow. That, that's I know. And the thing is, right? So so the office comes what six years after this? The office is two thousand and five, right? This is nineteen ninety nine. But obviously, we do have the work of Christopher Guest. You know, this is Spinal Tap. Um, mm. which when was when was this Spinal Tap was. Let me just see. Was, was this uh, I'll tell you, Dan, I'm on a list of mockumentaries. Bear with me a second. Oh, there you go. 1984. So yeah, it's not like cool. it's not like no one was doing it. You know, Spinal Tap had been a huge hit uh, when it had happened, you know, nearly 15 years earlier than this. Um, so, you know, it, it's not like completely unheard of to use the mockumentary style. But it's you know what it is? It's the combination of genres that really surprises me. Because to use a mockumentary in a sort of teen comedy, you know, that seems like that would be, feel like a risky move for a studio to put some money behind. Does that make sense? Like, mm. that, I just, that doesn't seem like a, a smart move. You know, will a, will a teen audience care for this format? Couldn't we just make this like a movie? <laughs> you know, just a normal movie. Why, why this particular format? And and credit to them for getting it through because it's yeah. Do you, do you think it would have been harder to get the tone they wanted in a movie? Like, is there something about the mockumentary format that that helps gags? Like you know, like the first death, for example, which mm. just comes so, which takes you so by surprise, yeah. and it's so basically uh, one of the characters is riding along in like a tractor thing, which blows up. Um, mm. And then it just cuts to the singed outfit and everyone being like, yeah, no, she died. Woo. Do you think that's harder to 
get a do you know what i mean that's a very how you know if you if you do this film in a more traditional format i guess you just have them stood around the coffin in saying that dialogue maybe yeah I and, feel... I, and i do you i wonder as well if that's also connected to the thing you were talking about or we were talking about earlier with the like when you've got a character saying a bad thing does does mockumentary what is it a coincidence so many of these mockumentaries use that technique of having a character say the, the awful thing and be condemned for it by the mockumentary mm. it does mockumentary make that easier somehow because yeah, i think so because that, I, because i because so. thinking about it all of the best examples i can think of that in just in general in media are mockumentaries yeah i think there's something in that because it it just helps the absurdity of it i think and it, it gives you an easy you know like i say how you how you write dialogue especially in this film where uh, you know a lot of the characters are saying things that they wouldn't discuss with other people and in some cases don't even interact you know no one's talking to denise richards character mm-hmm. and you can't have her and her mum just like plotting away i think i think to get the pace and also i think you'd struggle to go through technically three competitions and three contests um in the in the space of a of a traditional narrative so i think it's definitely i think it's de- definitely a, a choice what's impressive about the choice is they don't just use it for the sake of using it they actually it's there is a narrative and a tone and a script and a pacing mm-hmm. justification and benefit from the mockumentary format yeah and, and and i think that thing as well of like making you hate a character like I, how absurdly david brent was it when when denise richards comes in to the hospital where kirsten dunst is volunteering to help out the old winner who's like hospitalized now for like you know yeah we, we I, i'm not going to be able to do the content with the deafness of the movie so forgive me for not giving details there um but she's like i'm here all the time and the lady's like who are you and it's like it's really funny because it's so she's so obviously caught in the lie but it has to push through and it makes you absolutely hate the character so passionately which is another thing i think the movie is brilliant for is like how it creates that like that's you know what i mean like that's that's really um a very a very clever script will make you care that much and care enough to hate the characters do you know what i mean how many movies Mm. have you seen where like the villain is a generic whatever and you can't muster up any fucking feelings for the villain whatsoever you're just like yeah you exist to challenge our antagonist but our protagonist but when you've got one that you genuinely just like oh i actually kind of want something big and heavy to fall on you like an anvil um (laughs) that's kind of that's pretty impressive yeah and i i (laughs) I haven't hated a character as quite as much as Denise Richards' character in this in quite a while. Right, and and, the, and you know the what? movie I does a great could, job. That's one of those things where I could see somebody thinking that taking that as a bad thing about the movie. Like, why should I want? Why do I want a movie to make me feel angry? Um, oh no, but, it's a good thing. Yeah, but I think it's a, I think it's incredible writing wise that they managed to do that. Um, yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure, and 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 do it with. You're so depressed when she. <laughs> like you know it's coming oh, we've got we've, got into, we've gone into spoilers without um oh without... yeah we spo- i mean we literally have described deaths 
matches. Yeah, but you, <laughs> so we described the very first death, the one that happens in the first five minutes. Um, yeah, so uh, very quickly, before we get into the details then, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I recommend. I don't have any more overall points. We can get into the, the gritties, the nitty gritties next. But um, I'm, I'm massive. I, I, think this is, I think this is an underrated classic. But um, I feel like Chris might, might feel differently. <laughs> um, I don't... I, 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 like if you like this it's one of those classic if you like the sound of it if you if you like comedies if you you're a fan of these actresses if you um yeah if it sounds appealing then i'd absolutely recommend it do mm. i think it's a stone cold classic no um but you know there's nothing not every film has to be you know mm. i'm going to certainly try and open this belvita and i'm going to stay I silent apologize. to make it you've already done it yeah, but now hold on. there we go. Just full full blown noise. Um, no, I don't. I don't not recommend it. I it's it, it's one of those films where it's like, I if 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 we'd found stumbled across it on Netflix and watched it, I wouldn't be angry. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be going. I want to rewatch that at some point, but I wouldn't be. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not like it's not that I have a negative opinion. Um, it's I I have a good opinion. If anything, I would I would recommend it if if comedies are your jam. It's just not necessarily a film that I, do you know what I mean, got particularly overly excited about, but that doesn't mean by any means that it's bad. You know, it's it could be as simple as the mood when I watched it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's, do you think that's true of comedy more than it is of drama? Like, I feel yes, like, I, I feel so. like I have, I have watched a comedy and not appreciated it enough in the past because of, being in the wrong sort of mindset when it when I went to watch it, but I feel like that I've never done that with a drama, or maybe I haven't done it as often with a drama. Yeah, I feel like, and I feel like I quite. I don't know. We bring up this review a lot, but I suppose it's one of the it's one of the few where we clash. But like, I feel like you went into Last Action Hero with a very analytical mindset, and I went into Last Action Hero with my brain just switched off. And therefore found it thoroughly entertaining. And I feel like maybe it's a little bit reversed this this week with this oh. one. Do you know? Yeah, I mean, you know I, was, I, mean? I must I admit, I sat down to watch this in a very relaxed sort of, let me enjoy it. I didn't even make a lot of notes. But I sometimes though, I wonder, do, you know, is that us or is that the movie? Because like, there was a part of me yesterday thinking like, did I just get sucked in? Is the reason I didn't make a lot of notes? Because I didn't really want to interrupt the flow of the movie because I was enjoying it. It like pulled me in through its through its script and it's you know is that a fair thing to say i wasn't in the right mood should the movie not have to some degree the ability to pull you in if it's if it's doing its job right yeah that's fair like that definitely happened with me and um coda like i was it was late i couldn't really be bothered to watch it but it pulled me in yeah, yeah. right and that can, yeah, so yeah. so i think a genuinely masterful movie will override that so i don't think it um, or, i don't think being not being in the be- go on sorry or a movie that just for some reason you connect with. I don't know if Coda, for example, is a masterful movie, but it certainly um, it certainly made an emotive connection with me. Uh, no, I, I think Coda's a. I mean, it, it got it, you know, it's got it got awards and stuff. I, I think yeah, I think Coda is a masterfully crafted tale. I think you, I got very, I got very, you know, yeah, I was very behind yeah. the, that story and those the, those characters. I think they did that with yeah. with with skill. Oh, I love. Co- I'm not criticizing Coda. I love it. It's one of my yeah. Favorite no, but but film you, you, you posed the question, didn't you? You po- you sort of posed the question of like, was that like, but by saying like for you it worked because of personal connection, that kind of 
inherently asks the question would that not have happened then if you hadn't had that but i'm saying i didn't feel particularly like it was a story that was aimed at me but i, I got I guess in all the same well i guess i was just remembering that we had quite a kind of critical discussion of it um it, but i mean that was compared to other movies but um there were definitely i was remembering that you you uh, you, you for example found flaws with that movie there were yes, things you, for sure. you that you jarred with so yeah, yeah I, that I, that's what the yeah. It's not necessarily a masterful like if there's flaws in a movie, is it masterful kind of thing? But yeah, like. yeah. But I guess uh, to, to, to maybe I didn't make, make my point clear. In terms of how it pulls you in, it's masterful because mm. I, I I do think oh god that yeah. Is, yeah, yeah that you know regardless of some of the um, issues I find with the sort of narrative structure and some of the other stuff like that I personally had with the movie, um, I, I I think it's fair to say that it's it's masterful at the thing we were specifically disgusting. Disgusting? <laughs> yeah, the thing we were disgusting. Chris. Yes, the thing we were disgusting. Um, yeah, and I and I think that does. Yeah, comedies do depend on that. I think a bit more. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Well, so yeah. So let's go. Let's go full blown. Full blown spoilers because I do have some criticisms that are like linked more to like the story. Um, and I and 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 I should say very quickly that you know for me none of this was game but you know movie breaking like enjoyment breaking but i think had maybe i'd been in a maybe maybe as chris has suggested in a more critical like mind like less like more making notes more thing maybe these things would have been more of a problem but fucking hell this movie doesn't know what to do with its ending does it (laughs) well on on well just to unpick the before we go into the ending i think it's i think that is also though a benefit of the mockumentary format because right if you're being overly critical a shit ton of this doesn't make sense. Like, do you know what? Like, how characters aren't arrested way earlier, all that sort of stuff. Mm. But something about the tone that you can create with a mockumentary. If you can create a tone where, and again, we're going to full spoilers here, where someone can literally get blown up, and then you cut to someone just being like, "Yeah, no, that was a that was a freak accident. That's weird." Like all of that sort of stuff. I think mm-hmm. you can. You can get away, you can create a world where you get away with some of that stuff a bit more. So I think to some degree, it's not even necessarily maybe that you were not feeling analytical. It's just that the world through that format can be a bit more obscure, can be a bit more bizarre. And, you know, you can get away with more, I think. And it's maybe it's just about to which degree you allow it to get away more with that, um, to which when watching this, for whatever reason, you and I had different degrees of that, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, the film is... I mean, I think on, I think that's true. Uh, I think mockumentary does allow you to, to do that. But I do also think making an absurd film helps too. Like, the movie's tone is wacky and absurd and cartoonish from pretty much minute one. It's not shooting for realism, is it? I mean, which is what is so funny, I think, about the film for me was that clash of mockumentary which wants you to believe the world is real and believe the people are real but then kind of like quite a surreal not surreal surreal is the wrong word i think absurdist is that i think I, i'll stick with the word i originally used. i think it's a, the movie is an absurdist film in many ways like it's it's a very heightened cartoony reality that these characters in in you know in, inhabit um and i think it's the clash of those two makes it makes the absurdity seems even more absurd through the lens of a documentary, I think, um, and that does, I think, put you in a in a position to 
relax more maybe or like criticize more um what happens um i if, if i was if i was to unpick it a bit that's kind of maybe what i would suggest um i would yes but the, but there are so i mean that's not to say the movie isn't flawed though particularly i wanted to talk about the ending um i mean yeah. how did you how did you feel about the ending first chris because I've, I've talked a lot like because <laughs> i'm rambling at this point but what, what, what did you have any issues with it because i i certainly did <laughs> Um, I was glad. Uh, uh, in, well, where where are you? What are you defining as the ending? Where are you going from? Uh, well, that's a, uh, that's also part of the problem with the ending is that it is <laughs> several endings stacked upon each other. Um, anything from the actual, uh, from the from the from the, the 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 burning of the the parade to the end, I think. Mm. It all feels like the parade. It feels like the it feels like that thing people joke Lord of the Rings is. Where it's like, is it over now? No, there's more. Okay, is it over now? No, yeah, I was okay. very surprised. We, I was shocked we got to nationals. If I'm honest, <laughs> like, yeah. I think maybe a, yeah. a better movie. I, honestly, it feels like it... the movie was surprised to find itself at nationals. Also, <laughs> well, yeah, hence why it was like, oh, we gotta, we gotta find a way to get rid of this nationals plot in uh, in two seconds. Um, I thought that last shot of oh, okay, so some of the ending. I I really liked the notion that actually, so I think Denise Richards' character getting her comeuppance, uh, for those that haven't seen it and don't care about spoilers, she dies in a big burning swan. Um, But it was quite quite, quite a bold comeuppance. It's like, oh, fucking hell, this movie's not just killing her. It's really killing her. (laughs) It's brutal. (laughs) Oh, Okay, but fucking hell, I've just forgotten there was an ending after the Nationals bit as well, wasn't there? Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd forgotten that. This movie um, just fucking keeps... Like, the ending is insane. And I, look, every single segment that was an extra ending made me laugh for some reason. So, like, again, it's it's why I walk away going, like, I objectively know that that is not how you should write a movie. <laughs> but I because I found each individual segment almost funny, like a sketch... Like I was kind of, they 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 got away with it, but yeah. The the element of the ending I really liked was before the one before nationals, whatever that was called, states regionals, before or something? states, yeah, whatever. Yeah, uh, was it states? They kept referring to states. I think it was states. Okay. Um, sure. The ending. I might be wrong. The ending. No, no, the no states I, thing, the el- mate, I have no, <laughs> I have no horse in that race. One or the other. I don't know. <laughs> the, the element of that I liked was the notion that uh, what's, what's Amber, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Amber was looking round, and you kind of felt as an audience, and and kind of felt her feeling. Actually, Denise Richards' character would have been better here. <laughs> like this sense of um, everyone looks like the attitude of everyone. The, the the notion that everything she dealt with before was ramped up ten times. You know, there's a specific moment where she's, I think she's sat down next to one of the girls and she's just, I think she's staring at her boobs or something. But this this notion of, hmm, actually, do I want this? And and I like the fact that what I thought in my head then was one of the last shots of the movie, actually, because actually it isn't one of the last shots. But the notion that when all the other girls go nuts at the at the nationals being completely cancelled, when they're all sort of rioting on the building... She just very silently and solemnly goes, yep, that is, that makes sense. Of course, that's how it went down. 
Uh-huh. And she, you know, she turns around and she she walks away and just walks. Everyone else is raging and going nuts and she just quietly walks to the bus. I, I, I like those those moments as, as character beats. Um, I also quite like the idea. I mean, I don't know about you, Dan, but I'm assuming that the the shellfish being poison maybe was a prearranged thing by the mum. And she was I just wondered gonna, and about she, that. Yeah. <laughs> And she was just going to tell the daughter not to eat it, and Amber just happened not to eat it. Correct. Um, that that's my read, but I, but the movie doesn't yeah. explicitly state that. Um, but I that was my theory based on the movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that I found very amusing and stuff. Um, but then it just like you said, it just keeps going. It just keep. Do we then need to see? I mean, I guess the busting is a downbeat ending, but I to be honest with you, I think it's kind of. I think it, but the trouble is all of the endings, as you say, not only have some merit in terms of being entertaining, but they also also feel that they all would have been the right ending. Her celebrating and getting excited about going to state feels like it would have been the right ending. Her winning state as a fluke um, and getting that feels like maybe that's probably the one that could have worked least. Her going back to the bus as downbeat an ending as that would have been. I don't think this film necessarily wouldn't fit a downbeat ending like that. And agreed, her agreed. ultimately winning and getting a, getting a job in TV as a result of the mum's actions again. <laughs> as a result yeah. of the mum trying to defeat her, the notion that that then gets her, her future. Also a, a good ending and a fitting ending. So everything fits. There's just a lot of them. <laughs> There's just a yeah. lot of ending in this movie and if all of them fit that probably suggests you could have just picked one <laughs> and right. gone with that yeah agreed i think that's yeah i think that's right uh and i and, and like uh, it, you know individually they're all very good but the sum of the parts is a bit like a bit disjointed maybe um yeah it definitely keeps you just keep expecting the credits to start and they, they keep not coming um and not even in a i want the movie to be over so way just in a like this feels like the natural end point oh there's more yeah, okay. well, I, I, Oh, no, this I feels like a natural end point. Okay, there's more. <laughs> after the pageant, there was like 20, 30 minutes left of the movie. And I was like, oh, really? That's funny because I didn't even, I didn't glance at the timer. And I'm kind of glad I didn't now because that would have been really, that would have thrown me. I'd have been going, well, where's this going then? Because <laughs> uh, I was just, yeah, I was just in and thought it was over. And then it kept going and I was like surprised. Um, so... Yeah, so let's talk about the uh, uh, let's talk about the thing that's bad, that's that's really bad about the movie. The biggest problem, uh, Will Sasso's character. Um, well, char- what's your what's your headlines on the ending? Then do you agree? There's just basically too many. Y- yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. If I, I thought I, I thought we covered it, but maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't say anything. Um, yeah, but it's similar to yourself. Like it, just one of those things where individually they all work. But do you you do you don't need them all? It basically just becomes a structural nightmare. Um, and also, I think from a character perspective, I feel like it was mostly like joke over the choices made in the ending. Like, so for example, it might have been more powerful to have her choose not to go forward in the competition, but they mm. go for the joke of she keeps accidentally winning and going further. Right, like. I I think you know it, what's the right character ending for this movie for that character for Amber for and it, and for me it's for her to, to choose choose otherwise you know um, but they don't do that because it's funnier to have all the girls vomiting from the shellfish and it's funny to have the entire company it's running not, the pageant it's not funny it's grim 
I oh, know. Oh, I thought that was so funny. It was because the way they did, the way they did it as well. The news report, like the you know horror scenes of the beauty pageant, like it was just a great way to do it. I really the loved joke, that. the the joke of you seeing the sound guy eating all the food with the with the pageants yes. and then later on you have him on the stretcher and the guy goes that's our sound guy i found that very funny yeah i did and also um i a little shout out while we're doing like individual jokes about the camera crew and actually referencing that they exist the, the, the there's a joke um early in the movie where everyone keeps thinking this camera crew are from cops the show cops because they keep assuming they've done something wrong and cop the, the camera crew from the show cops are after them um and then the the payoff at the end of the of the movie is um when an action when the when the crimes do become crimes the the camera crew spot the camera crew from cops and they high five so good yeah it's very good what another not to not to just go this joke this joke but another really good one and and by the way how have we not even mentioned i think we've named her but we've not like talked about her alison jenny's in this movie and one of my favorite three-part jokes is her hitting on the barman yes. when everyone's throwing up, her coming out of the room and the barman's behind her. And then when they're doing the news report, she just leads into frame and goes, I got some! <laughs> that, that yes. really made me laugh yeah. as well. Her character, man. So if we're just like doing like characters, if before we get to the the worst character, the pro- one of the problems with the movie, if we're talking about best characters, Alice and Janney's character is like, like we should all aspire to be Alice and Jenny's character in this movie. She's fucking brilliant. She's amazing. And but but it's her. Honestly, like I can't. And I know we've already said it, but I can't stress enough. The performances in this movie are phenomenal. And I genuinely think, in the hands of lesser actors, this movie is nowhere near as good. Kirsten Dunst is funny, charming, sweet, endearing. Denise Richards is the opposite of all of those, very deliberately. Um, yes. Alison Jenny is fantastic. Kirsty Alley, what a talent! Like everyone is firing on all cylinders in this movie. Yeah, when I was a, when I was a kid, I was a big fan of Kirsty Alley because I was a, I really liked the first Look Who's Talking movie. I, I I've never I've not seen it as an adult because I'm convinced it's a terrible movie. Um, in my head, we've I've just I've never picked it for this for the reasons that I'm scared to find out that's a terrible movie, even though I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but she's in those movies and she's great in them. And I've always been a fan of Kirsty Alley, and um, obviously she passed away very sadly um, in in December. Um, I'd never seen this movie, obviously, and it was so nice to have another Kirsty Alley performance that I've not seen to sort of check out on such a good one. Like she's incredible in this movie as the overbearing mother, the manipulative, like sort of you know, t- town sort of um i don't know what the word i'm looking at like the word for is like the, the, so she sort of runs the town essentially you know she's got her hands in all the pies fingers in all the pockets i don't know what the words i'm looking for now but yeah she's like a master manipulator in a way but got this really fun fake facade that she puts on of like niceness and stuff that's very thin very thin and easy to see through but it's it's a it's a yeah an incredible sorry an incredible performance um it really is um. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think all around that's definitely true. But I I really wanted to point out Kirsty Alley because I think she particularly did a, did a great job. And I think the the reason Alison Janney's character stands out a little bit, I think, is not is it's it is a really good. I think she's probably the most fun character to watch. She's she's giving one of the best performances in the movie, and she's one of the best written characters in the movie, and she gets a lot of the best jokes. So I think she ends up sort of stealing the show a little bit um 
but I don't think by a crazy mile because everyone else is doing such good work. So it's, but I, yeah. I do think Alison Janney ends up as much as I've just spent a few minutes, you know, complimenting Kirstie Alley for her incredible performance in this movie. I think Alison Janney is like, you know, absolutely iconic in this movie for sure. Yeah, and the one person we've not named also tragically gone too soon is uh, Brittany Murphy, who's also very, very good in this movie. She she is so good at playing like a like a sweet sort of soul, like a caring soul, isn't she? Like, I, I, she just just something about. I don't know if it's just something the way she can, can like make her face like her. It seems like she can make her eyes double in size when she wants to. I don't, it could be I could be making that up in my head, but her her expressions in this, you really believe sincerely that character and and that she wants to help. Like she's ah, yeah, she's great in this movie, and and Amy Adams as well, a very different character given to Amy Adams. Not as much to chew on from an acting perspective, but a lot of fun jokes and really good stuff for her to do in it. So, yeah, she gets to do a lot as well. And obviously Amy Adams, you know, went on to do a lot of, you know, much more serious or much more sort of demanding roles. But, um, you know, this is a really fun one for her and, and, and she clearly had a lot of fun doing it. You can you can kind of tell when they're watching. I think everyone had a lot of fun making this movie, I feel like. Yeah, I think so, for sure. Yeah. Um... um Right, yeah. let's do it. You were gonna, you were gonna talk about the the character that doesn't work. Yeah, uh, Will Sasso's character doesn't work. Um, basically, it's a character with essentially learning difficulties of some description. Uh, the movie's non-specific because the movie doesn't really want to touch the the actual reality of it. What it wants to do is make a bunch of jokes where he does something weird and then everyone makes fun of him. And it's super mean spirited. It doesn't function. He's uh, the look. Will Sasso should not be the 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 uh, the target of the criticism here, but his but his performance doesn't help because what he's doing, which is what he's supposed to do, which is what he's been paid to do, which is do the comedic version of a person with learning difficulties. So he is doing what he has been asked to do, but what he has been asked to do is horrible. <laughs> um, uh, as I've already mentioned, deeply mean spirited does not fit in with the rest of the movie's approach and tone um and just yeah feels really really out of place um because he's on so he's on the judging panel also on the judging panel is another character that somebody could say maybe has a you know it's, it's i think the character is called John Doe um it's played by Matt Malloy and that character is supposed to be weird leery guy and you could say i could i could i can imagine a, a person countering my criticism saying well why does why does essentially a guy leering at high school girls not fall into the same mean spirited inappropriate character category as will sasso's character and i think the difference is uh, matt malloy's character is um essentially a small piece of satire in the it's who it's it's asking the question, who are these pageants for? Right, I you know who what is anyone gaining out of these? These are deeply degrading in many ways, and they probably just exist for the male gaze, right? And it's not a coincidence the judging panel has three guys and one lady on it. Like that's you know, it, it, so his character represents that criticism of pageants. So he's actually, there's something being said, criticizing that kind of person in it, while it's also making jokes about it. I don't know what they're saying with Will Sasso's character. I don't know what the point is. I don't know what the joke is. I never found it funny. I always found it uncomfortable. 
it shouldn't have been in the movie. Yeah, and it's not even just that character. Like, the movie just throughout, the characters are calling each other and calling him that R word, and it, it's just uncomfortable. And, and well, I, I, I do get to some degree that is a term. It's like, you know, the, the word beginning with F that appears in a lot of movies from the time that just you just don't say it's not a word that's used now. I didn't quite hear it. Did you say did you say F? F, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Slang term that was used yes. in the past for yep, homosexuality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. I know. No, I just, uh, I, I thought you said S, and I was thinking, what S word is he referring to? So that was just me mishearing you and wanting to no, clarify no, no. for my own, for my own benefit. <laughs> um, no, so I just, yeah, it just, it's, it's just uncut, and it just felt like a lot. Like it just, and it, partly because they often that word is thrown at, at Will Sato's character. Um, but it just felt like a lot. And like I say, even Jess that didn't watch the beginning of the movie, but kind of heard the rest was like, they're being a bit liberal with that word, aren't they? And I was like, yeah. So yeah, I found, I just, it, it was just on reflection uncomfortable, but in particular, as you say, that character not having a point or a purpose and it feeling like it's being done just to, just to laugh at the character was, was incredibly uncomfortable. Because you know what I really wanted to happen as I was watching the movie? And I started to think, oh, they're going to do something good with this. So as we get towards the end of the movie, there's the there's the, the very surprising reveal that Denise Richards' character won, right? Which I genuinely was surprised at. I, I, I thought, what a clever thing for the movie to do, because usually this movie does not work out this way. <laughs> the good guy wins, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's making a point about these, these you know these sort of like corrupt weird towns and we'll talk in a minute about some of the messaging of the movie i think i've you know i've got some points on generally what this movie's trying to say even if sort of thinly um but there's a lot of that in the movie and i was thinking as i was watching it because the movie had earned a lot of my like um trust right so i was thinking oh so the minute uh, the, 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 sorry i was thinking the minute denise richards won um i think her character was called becky was it called was she called becky yeah, Rebecca, Becky, and, and Lee Menega. Great. So when Becky wins, I'm thinking, oh, something dodgy has happened here. They've fiddled the votes or something. And the guy no one thinks is worth anything, the guy everyone's been dismissive of all movie, this character with learning difficulties is going to figure it out and save the day. Yeah, because there's a bit earlier in the movie when they're like, we don't know, we don't know who's won. I don't know who's won. And he in the background goes, I know who's won, implying, I think, that he knew it was a fix. Correct. Now, I thought he was going to expose that somehow. I I didn't know. I couldn't figure out an exact like, you know, this is how they do it. You know, whatever. He recount the ballots or something. I don't know. I, I hadn't really thought about the scoring or how that would turn out to be the case. But I was absolutely convinced that's what they were going to do. Because if you do that, at the very least, then the point is these people are bad for underestimating this person and he's un- he's foiled their quote-unquote clever plans and they dismissed him. And then the, yeah, then, then, then there's a point to it. And it, and, and it. And I feel a lot more comfortable about the whole thing in that scenario but with what actually happens in the movie which is he's just he's there he's made fun of he's underestimated he's he's the butt of the joke he does a silly thing and ha 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 and then the movie just moves on and that is the that is the problem that is the problem yeah for sure it's really unfortunate yeah. isn't it 
Yeah, it's it's just an uncomfortable part of the part of the movie for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I know, and it's, and, 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 it's, it's, it's just yeah. I was just gonna say, from the, uh, stealing from the trivia now, just to get it out of the way, most of his scenes were added during reshoots because the producers apparently complained too few male characters were relatable. I'm gonna let that sink in as a sentence. Yeah, I don't think it's... Is it a movie where that matters? No. Why, and, can't, you why know, can't the movie just be female-led? <laughs> yeah, and also, uh, and also, um, you know, I hate to say it, and I'm not necessarily talking, you know, I, I wouldn't behave like it, but that pervy guy seems pretty relatable to most of the male community I know. Right. <laughs> like... this, this is, yeah, this is, this is the issue, is like... But also, like, I just think, like, why... Why that? Why that? No, that's so weird. It's a movie about beauty pageants. I mean, look, I, and this is a movie aimed, I think, at women, right? Like, in in terms of how a studio is making a movie from the executive's perspective, I'm not saying I necessarily think there's really much of a distinction between movies for women, for men. I think just enjoy whatever movie appeals to you. But just from a marketing and studio perspective, when they make movies, they make movies with audiences in mind, right? Whether it be kids' films aimed at children, so bright colours, light jokes, you know, movies aimed at men, maybe leaning more towards action and crime dramas and all that stuff. You know, just in terms of those traditional ideas of what movies... And, and, a, and, a, and a fun comedy set with the, with the backing of a beauty pageant, they got to have been thinking that was aimed at women, right? The stu- mm. I'm, I'm not talking about I would have seen it that way. The studio would have been thinking this is a movie aimed at women, Yes. That's the they they bought the movie yeah. they 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 paid to make the movie, knowing that's the target audience. So why make that comment about putting more men in it for who? Because <laughs> you've already made a movie, you're already making a movie that's female led. I don't get it. I just I just yeah, I can't understand bizarre. the studio's logic <laughs> at all. Yeah, that's really weird. And then that's what happens when you don't have. The care and time and attention. Because let me tell you, if they added that last minute through reshoots, there is no way that character could be properly weaved into the plot. There is no way that character's... You know, the jokes and all the thoughts around that character, all the stuff we've complained about the movie not doing, and those complaints will remain valid even if it was added later in shoot. But there's no time for the writer to figure that out. That... Of course not. Let, let alone having to piece it together after the after the fact. Yeah, that would have been a hard needle to thread with time. <laughs> that character, you know, doing it last minute, no chance, no chance. The movie was fucked the minute the studio made that decision. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a real shame. It's a real shame. It does not surprise me because I, it, it's the one thing in the movie that I did think stood out like a sore thumb. Everything else felt very carefully selected. And I don't know if this writer's done anything else. This is uh, Lona Williams, who kind of based some of this on her own um, upbringing. Um, what else is what else has she written for? Wow, not a lot. Oh, oh, okay, no, take that back. Sorry, I take that back. She'd written like 58 episodes of The Simpsons. Wow, <laughs> that's... It does feel very Simpsons, very, very cartoon, and I don't mean that as a criticism. I love, I think... A live action cartoon is a great like subgenre that I that you know we should see more of. So oh, I actually, don't mean it's a criticism, but that doesn't oh, no, surprise so, me to hear. Uh, to correct, actually, sorry, assistant to the writers was the role on The Simpsons for fifty eight episodes. 
Um, in terms of writing, um, worked on the Drew Carey show, worked on a couple of TV series like Bless This House, Hardball, and someone like me, and then uh, did some additional dialogue for the movie um, Shark Tale, and then worked on the story for Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse in 2015. Um, so apologies, didn't actually write any Simpsons. I've got that. I got that wrong. Um, Is that right? Yeah. But I stand. I stand by the the the, the thing. This is a really, really well done script. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. I I will I will say that for sure. Like, I, and it's one of those things where I don't. I agree, kind of, with all of the compliments. I think, like we said, comedy is very, uh, very subject to a number of things. But I think the, with the exception of that character, which feels added in afterwards, and and the ending, it's hard to say. It's it's a particularly tight script when the ending is you know we've criticised the structure yes, of the, the ending. Agreed. Um, but yeah, 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 for sure. Because mm. because like you say, the joke rate the joke rate is thick and fast with this movie. And mm-hmm. and I think again, I think that's part of the genius of the mockumentary format. I think this was the perfect format and execution yeah. of that format. This film is sorry is an example of the perfect execution of that format. And I think a lot of the, the reason the jokes come thick and fa- fast is because they can because of this format, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. the jokes come in so many layers as well as what I was thinking about when you were talking about the jokes then. Like, there's so many that are just, like, subtle one-line, they'll come and go and you won't even realise it hit you. Like, this, you know, and then there's some that are, like, really involved bits. So, like, you know, the, the that whole thing about, like, um, the theme of the pageant's going to be uh, proud to be American. What was last year's theme? By oh, American. So good. What was that the theme made me the, laugh what, a lot. What, what was the theme of the year before? USA is A-OK. <laughs> What's your favorite theme you've ever done? Merit, I can. <laughs> I also... Brilliant. But then there's more subtle ones. Like, I just loved the Lutheran Sisterhood Gun Club. I mean, that is just the funniest fucking idea. Oh, I also really enjoyed that the sign to the town said "Home of the world's oldest living Lutheran," and they were like, "Yeah, she died a few years back. We need to get the sign changed." <laughs> um, I also did. I must admit, I did. I did find it funny. I, I, as, as 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 unfortunate as the subject matter is, I did find it funny that because this town is so revolving around its pageant. I did find it funny that at the hospital there was an eating disorder ward because what that says about the pageant and what the pageant does to the town is that is some quite biting commentary i feel yeah I, well let's talk about that i think the film makes a lot of great points about pageants and about how they're often rigged about how they're not necessarily promoting the best messages about how you mm-hmm. know that someone singing a song to a, a big statue of jesus would potentially do it like i there's an awful lot of um, strong messages. And I think they do, uh, you know, some of the decisions with Kirsten Dunst's character um, in terms of her personality, in terms of like the the unrequited love that her family unit, including Alison Jenny, who's I think her aunt, isn't it? Um, uh, she's either her aunt or just literally her neighbor. <laughs> like, cause they, yeah, she lives two, like she lives two doors it, down. <laughs> like, uh, it's, yeah. yeah. It's just, um, I think it makes a lot of good points, <laughs> I think, this movie. And it's effective. Like I say, one of the things I liked about the ending mm-hmm. is, uh, was that notion that she was maybe beginning to go, oh, fuck, maybe this isn't actually for me. And that shot of her walking towards the bus dejected. I thought, I thought that was a great commentary 
on beauty pageants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I and, and I think it's it, it's also like what I think is really effective about the commentary in this movie is it covers such a wide berth of topics. So there's a huge amount of criticism for the pageants, but I I would argue maybe pageants are an easy target. Like uh, you know. I, you write a movie about pageants, it's not going to be too hard to to sort of point out what, what's wrong with their existence. Um, but it also makes a bunch of stuff about, like, um, these sort of strange, rural, sort of God-fearing communities that often claim to be virtuous, but are far from. You know, um, these these weird class situations we get, because essentially, you know, Kirsten Dunst represents, like, the poor family in the town, and Denise Richard comes from a place of privilege. Her mum's one of the most, you know, liked, richest families in the town, you know. And the advantages that's given her to the point where, despite not deserving to win at all, she, she you know, she wins because she's just rigged. So there's, like, a whole thing about our entire, like, uh, you know, Western society's entire class culture in there. Like, it's such a wide, like, wow, shooting for the stars a little bit with this script about a pageant, I feel, <laughs> in terms of some of the, yeah, yeah. some of the, some of the subject matter that's being cr- criticized about, uh, like, culture and society is the quite large ideas, I feel. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I just, I, do you know what I've just remembered? You, you said, you talking then. Because I was thinking about her working and how she's shown to have to, you know, mm-hmm. even already at her age, she's got a job. And it made me remember that, like, a guy hits on her and then is just dead in, like, yeah. <laughs> two scenes later with no real explanation. So, it's, one of, it's one of my favourite jokes in the movie. So she's, she also works at the school on her lunch break. Like, this is how poor her family are. She works, she, she, she's doing lunch at the school. So when she finishes her class, she goes and starts dishing out everyone's lunch. And this, this guy asks her out. And then it cuts to her at her job the evening at the morgue. Where she does the makeup and hair for the for the for the people before they go, you know, on display, you know, for the funerals, and she pulls back the sheet and it's the guy. He was like, "I'll see you tonight," and then we cut. So she pulls the sheet back and it's the guy, and he's got a bullet hole in his head. Oh, it is it? There is an explanation, isn't there? Like it then cuts to Denise Richards' character at like gun club. And she's like, he got a bullet to the head? Whew, yeah, because she says, what are you doing tonight earlier? And he says he's going duck hunting. And it cuts to Denise Richards after we found out he's dead. And she goes, what? Duck hunting is a really dangerous sport. It's just crazy. And it's like, it's insane because we've already established Denise Richards is pretty good with a gun. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's just the movie. Like, yeah. no, I'm, like that's what's so... And I, I, But even that's a commentary. How overt it is, how not hidden it is. Is actually a really relevant comment, uh, commentary. People are doing the shit out in the open these days. This is an issue. Like this is a really modern point. Like, like you look at Trump. Trump committed most of his crimes very openly. Do you know what I mean? He was not subtle about the things he did <laughs> ever. And yet, the man's, you know, off yucking it up at Mar-a-Lago. It's it's the same thing. It's like oh. Privilege and money means I can just go around and kill people and no one will bat an eye. Mm. It's a commentary in itself. And it's, yeah, it's just, it, the, the movie is full of incredible insights into th- these topics. And often I, with a really, really good comedic edge to the point where, like, I would forgive someone for not even really thinking about the messaging and be just come away going, that was really funny and not realizing necessarily why and like, or not necessarily really realizing what the message was under it until they think about it later. If somebody just came out of this going like, yeah, I really laughed at that and not having any sort of thoughts about what it was trying to say. Cause it's, 
it's so the two things are so linked they're happening at the exact same moment so you're you're laughing but also the movie is going also yeah notice this um i think i think that's it i'm thinking that that scene with you know the world duck hunting's a dangerous sport i think that's another reason i know i keep banging on about this but i think that's another it's a good example of why this film's making the most of the mockumentary format and why that helps the helps the humor helps the pace etc because in a in a traditionally structured you know story in a story that's not a mockumentary format you cannot cut to a 10 second scene of Denise Richards at gun club cocking a gun and going, well, duck hunting's a really dangerous sport to one of her mates because you'd just be like, you know, the scene would need to be more than that. I think they really used, one of the reasons the jokes is so thick and fast is because with the mockumentary format, you can have scenes that are literally 10 seconds long because that enables you to do that easier than a, a, a traditional movie right. would yeah the cutting the fast cutting you're correct because mm. it's been deliberately cut you're not being presented like it's been cut by a person telling a story so they can just give you the key information and move on you're right that's a really good point yes mm. yeah. yeah 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 yeah. 100% there we go what what other notes you got Danny um, D yeah, yeah, well, yeah I made a couple of notes about one or two times they do kind of break the camera position rules but I think that's fine. I don't think it matters. Um, for anyone not sure what I mean by that, um, obviously in a documentary, the cameras can only can only be in certain places because you know you can't know where your subjects are going to go. So if your subjects move into a different room and there's already a camera set up in there to take it, that's not likely. So yeah. the movie mostly follows the rules where if someone moves into a different room, the camera will follow them. But once or twice it breaks the rules. Um, the, the the example I can think of is when Kirsten Dunst is doing her um, like dancing as she's walking home, and there are all these like cuts to like like close ups of her feet that are from like very cinematic camera angles. Then when the, the the wide shot comes in, you don't see the cameraman taking the shot close to the feet. So it breaks the immersion slightly, but it's not a big deal. Speaking speaking of her dancing, yes, I also really enjoyed. The movie slash editors editing choice to just not even hide the fact that that's not Kirsten Dunst dancing when she does a big dance number. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of feet shots, lots of wide shots of somebody twirling, but just almost comically the way it builds, yes. and it almost breaks the mockumentary format slightly because it feels more like a spoof. It feels more like something you'd see in a spoof movie where it's just so clearly not Kirsten Dunst. Right. And that made me laugh too. Yeah. I, 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 we haven't talked about that element, actually. I, I really liked that plot line. Like, so for those um, who haven't seen the movie um, or just aren't interested in general, um, there's a plot line where basically one of the ways in which they're going to beat, the, the, you know, Denise Richards' character is going to beat, uh, beat Kirsten Dunst's character. They're gonna, they steal her outfit for her big dance number. And basically, the the rule is the outfit has to be approved weeks in advance, so she can't just wear a different outfit. Um, and you, I was generally like, I don't know how she gets out of this one. I don't see a solution because you yeah. Know, and, uh, so, so another another contestant gives her, gives her her costume, and what mm-hmm. I really liked about that is it wasn't really overtly referenced, but she then wore that other contestant's costume. 
for the for the for the states for that competition, mm-hmm. which I thought was a really sweet touch. Yeah. So the other contestant is a contestant that goes, you know what? I don't really want this. I've not really got a chance of winning anyway. I'm going to give up my slot, and you can have my costume because my costume has been pre-approved. Um, and then yeah, she gets to do it. But as a as a bit of tension in the middle of the movie, a bit of sort of. I don't know, early third act tension. I'd say late third act if it wasn't for the fact this movie has 90 endings. Um, you know, as a bit of tension sort of mid- at the mid- you know, towards the midway point of the movie, I guess. Um, brilliant. Really, really good. Because I, I genuinely went, I actually don't know how they solve this. Like, that seems... Because, you know, the person who's, who's willing to cheat and murder to win is in charge of the rules of this competition. <laughs> so she's no chance, surely. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, that, that 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 technical sort of get around they end up using to sort of solve that problem, I thought was very good. And I, and I couldn't I couldn't foresee it as well. I was quite, I was pleasantly surprised. And it does a lot for, obviously, the character played by, um, my brain is dying. Uh, Brittany Murphy. Brittany Murphy's character, who's the character who gives her the outfit. Um, really, really, br- yeah, a lot of fun. Really well done very sweet yeah 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 for sure and 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 like you say the the heartbreaking thing of as you talked about earlier she it doesn't work she doesn't win (laughs) denise rich's character still wins the system's still rigged yes great point about you know even though clearly the audience and the judges in you know if they were voting honestly Mm. are more on amber's side Denise Richards' character still wins. Bethan still wins. And that is, uh, is a heartbreaking moment. You're genuinely deflated. I was honestly like, oh, fucking hell. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, I want to, um, as well, just credit to um, the gag, the running gag that her mum gets a beer can fused to her hand. Um, in the early parts yeah. of the movie, and then he's just drinking from that beer can the rest of the movie. It's fucking brilliant. It just it never made me not. It never not made. It maybe no. It never failed to make me laugh. I laughed at that every single time. It doesn't matter how yeah, many times the in the, movie the end that joke. The the thing with the hook is that what you're about to reference? Yeah, yeah. The hook at the end was great. Come on, I just come on. Too good. Where she replaces the hook with a beer can, she <laughs> straps it around. Come on, that's so that's too good. Um. I also want to give a little bit of a nod to um, the choice. And it could be that the actress just couldn't do it, but the choice to have Denise Richards be the only character in the movie without a Minnesota accent. Fascinating. I don't know if that's deliberate or not, but it was Nadia thought it was a deliberate choice to sort of make her seem like, um, like she thought she was better than the town. Like, yeah, that was my assumption. Yeah. But like, it's still very strange because she's the only character that doesn't have that accent. Um, Little nod to Adam West cameo. Uh, that's fun. Um, did he cap? Did he cap? Uh, what by name? Because obviously, I caught the, I caught the, uh, the the joke reference to like it, the dialogue reference to him. But did he have an actual cameo in it as well? Then yeah, he's in the movie at the beginning. Oh, I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't spot that. Okay. Yeah. So they do the whole thing where they're doing like you know last year it was presented by Adam. Adam West is presenting that entire opening trailer. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Great. Well, I, I, I don't, I'm not as I'm not that familiar with Adam West particularly. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah but I did love the the joke at the end. My my roommate my roommate had sex with Adam West. <laughs> Apparently, he was very horny. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's, so yeah, no, he so he presented it the previous year, so he's the one doing the advert at the beginning for the for the thing. And he even says ah, like okay. he even says like, and you get to meet cool celebrities like me. They do they do that whole jam. But yeah, he's great. In it. I love Adam West. Um, another one taken too soon too soon um speaking of declarations of somebody 
um, who's just just passed. One of my favourite things anyone has ever said after a character has died in a movie is when uh, Kirstie Alley's character yells after her daughter has died, but we gotta go to state! Yeah. <laughs> so heartbreaking and so like... Oh, God. Such a fantastic con- condemnation of that character. Um, yeah, love it. Um, anything else? Oh, um... When they when later on she's trying to justify it or like make sense of it, Kirstie Alley's character says maybe it's God's way of telling us to buy American. <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh. <laughs> oh, this movie, I loved it. Um, yeah, so I think that's everything I had. Do you, do you have any other notes? No, man. Let's uh, let's trim it up. Yeah, I'm gonna give you some trivia. Um, so. Uh, screenwriter Lona Williams has, was herself a contestant in local beauty pageants um, back in the day. She appears in the film as the third non-speaking judge, Jean. So the, 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 the female judge on the end of that panel um, that was is the writer of the movie. Um, I, I think there's something about the way this movie is structured that kind of you kind of go like this: someone, someone involved in making this movie lived through this, or to some degree, because there's so much very very specific detail about what it's like being in one of these pageants that i was just like i i feel like somebody when i read that i was not surprised no no for sure um some some alternate casting uh melissa joan hart originally uh, auditioned for the role of amber which is the role um that went to um kirsten dunst in the end um i like melissa joan hart um she probably would have done a good job i think I, yeah. yeah i, I mean I, I think i prefer it, but... kirsten dunst but I think Kirsten Dunst Kirsten Dunst really carries a lot of this movie I think the heart Mm -hmm. of this movie comes Mm -hmm. from Kirsten Dunst and I think I think Melissa Joan Hart could have done it as well Um, she could have been the heart I was going to say (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say heart's her middle name but it's not it's her last name (laughs) it's her last name (laughs) We're not quite on fire. I'm on fire. Dad's trying to. Dad's got one of those lighters that is sort of. Dan, Dan, Dan's, r- Dan's running on three hours sleep and regretting choosing to record <laughs> this today. <laughs> That's what's happening. <laughs> but uh, but I think um, yeah. I I I it's, I don't think I've ever not enjoyed a Kirsten Dunst performance. I think she's um, she's incredibly charming, um, and I think that that benefits this movie a lot. Um, so I would I would choose Kirsten Dunst, but I think Melissa Joan Hart could have done a good job. Yeah, yeah. I like Melissa Joan Hart a lot. Um, speaking of actresses with three three names, that was a bad segue, but anyway. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar was an alternate um, option for Becky, the character played by Denise Richards. Um, I feel the same yeah, way, I think. Same. Yeah, same. Same same comments. Yeah. yeah, I feel like both could have done it. I think I'm glad we got who we got. You know. Yeah, I'd yeah. agree with that. Um, I no, mean, this... although you know, Sabrina, Sabrina, B, Sabrina v. Buffy would have been fun. Yes, agreed. Um, Goldie Horn and Sigourney Weaver were originally sought after for the roles of Annette and Gladys. Now, let me just double check who, which one is which here. Gladys is Kirstie Alley's character, and Annette is. Oh yeah, it's the, it's the two rival mums, basically. Uh, you know, it's so yeah, it's it's. Yeah, it's Kirsten Dunst's mum and, um, oh god, it's Amber and Becky's mothers. Um, I would, I that, that's quite that is quite a fun team up though. I kind of even though, you know, I, I, I love the actresses we got and I wouldn't change them. The idea of our movie existing with Goldie Hawn, Sigourney Weaver sort of going head to head, I, I quite like that idea. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So I'd be more interested in seeing that pairing than necessarily seeing them tackle these roles. Um, but yeah, I, 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 yeah. Um, Alison Janney has said that she is recognised by fans of this movie for more than anything else in her career. That can't be true. <laughs> like, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> that looks, you're making that up. <laughs> I. What can I say? Is it is it attributed to a year? Had she done Mom yet? Let alone, obviously, The West Wing, which she would have made by this film, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah she would have. No. Yeah. yeah, no? Oh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe, that's, not. An old, maybe no. that's an old quote, then. Come on, there's no Harrison. date on There's no date on it on here, unfortunately. She's won an Oscar, hasn't she? <laughs> Has Alison Jenny won an Oscar? Did she not win for I, Tonya? Was she in that movie? She... Uh... You know what? She was nominated, but I don't know if she won. Let me let's find out. Let's find out. Let's look it up. She deserves it. She deserves a bloody Oscar. So she, Uh, I've got it. Including an Academy Award, but which Academy Award? List of nominated. Oh, she's got. Wow, she's been nominated enough times, Chris. That she, yeah, she won Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, she did. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, in 2018 for I Tonya. Good, good memory. Good memory. Yeah. So I just, I just think you know, Oscar. Oscar-winning actress in a long-running sitcom and one of the most renowned dramas of all time. I just struggle to believe she's most recognised for a 1998 mockumentary about beauty pageants. I will say, though, her character seems to be the most popular. When I did a little bit of, like, you know, because this is one of those movies where there's a little bit of trivia on IMDb, but there's not a lot. So I tried to see if I could find triv- information about this movie elsewhere. Like, maybe someone had made a really interesting, like you know, YouTube video essay on the making of this movie or something. Occasionally I stumble across stuff like that for some of these cultier films. There wasn't much for this one, but there were several compilation videos of her scenes. So she is clearly one of the more popular characters. Like one YouTube channel had done like 15 times, um, what was her character's name? Um, 15 times Loretta from Drop Dead Gorgeous was life or something like that. And it was like, it was just, you know, you know, was a role model or something like that. So, you know, here's the... here's a question for you then, Dan. Just yes. to you know, not to sidetrack us too much. Who do you think is the most successful actress to come out of this movie? Surely it's her or Amy Adams. Yeah, I think it's Amy Adams. I think it's Amy Adams. I'd say Amy Adams. Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah, say yeah. Amy Adams, then her, then Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, because I feel like Alison Janney's Oscar even is the is the sort of supporting actress Oscar. Not to say that's a lesser Oscar or anything, but I just mean like she often is the supporting actor in the role, whereas Amy Adams often is the lead. Has Amy Adams got a lead actress Oscar? Let's look it up. She's been nominated multiple times. I know that because I think she's definitely she, been she was, nominated. She was definitely nominated the year um, that uh, Arrival came out. Um, which oh, yeah, because the- she's there's this whole thing, actually, that she's the next Leo because she's been nominated six times. Is that what it is? Let me see. Awards. Full list of awards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look at that. Nominated. Although, actually, looking at this, to be fair, my best actress, supporting actress thing is clearly nonsense because she's been nominated six times, Chris, but only one of those was for best actress. Yeah, the re- no, the rest yeah, I'm looking, supporting. I'm looking now. Wow. Wow. Maybe, and I think it's still... I think if you were to show... If you were to do a poll of people in the street, I think more would know Amy Adams. Well, yeah, but maybe. but 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 also, let's be fair, six Academy Award nominations versus one. Yeah, yeah. Now, admittedly, yeah, I think it's you know, 
that Alison Jenny won hers. But I'd still say that suggests a more prolific career. Yeah, and, and it's worth saying, get get Amy Adams an Oscar. Yeah, but don't do it in the get way... Get Amy we, Adams let, an Oscar. Yeah, but let's not do it in the way for, we did it with... Uh, <laughs> With Jamie Lee Curtis. For the fourth... See, it's looping round. That's why we talked about it. It felt like a tangent. We've looped it round, baby. Get Amy Adams an Oscar for the fourth best supporting actress performance in a movie that year, is what I'm saying. I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. Stephanie... Is it Stephanie Sue from Everything All At Once? Uh, Angela Bassett from... uh, Mate, poor Amy Adams. She also has has been nominated for, like... One, two, three, four, five, six. For seven BAFTAs and not won any of them either. <laughs> poor, poor Amy Adams. She won two Golden Globes. Yeah, American Hustle and the guys. Yeah. Uh, she got nominated for uh, she got nominated for two Golden Raspberries last year. Did she? What movie was she in that was nominated for Raspberries? Worst actress for the Woman in the Window. I don't think that I don't think that was her fault. And worst supporting actress for Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, well, yeah, Dear Evan Hansen was a mess of its own making. Um, that's yeah, not her fault. Um, cool. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, this, so actually, speaking of the, uh, the next piece of trivia is this is the first film Amy Adams made. Oh, there we go. Doctor Gorgeous is a is her film debut. That is the very next piece of trivia. So there you go. Amy Adams talk, everyone. We did it. That's our Amy Adams segment called Just Adams About. Just <laughs> Adams About. We're just Adamsing about. That's what we're doing. Right. Um, and well, where's Adams, Adams about next week? About. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> oh, just just Adams about? We'll figure it out. There you go. I made a rhyme and everything. Um, now, I got... So, it's a weird, weird thing. Me and Nadia watched this movie to, together, but not together. So, sh- I watched it in the morning. Then I had to go to work. And then Nadia watched it in the evening. So, we both watched it yesterday, but separate from each other. And then had to chat about it. Nadia sent me multiple texts. Before the movie referenced it, saying, oh, it's set in Minnesota, are they going to reference the Jell-O salad? Now, I'd never heard of this. The nope, movie, me neither. The, the movie then does reference it, so it's clearly a famous thing people know about Minnesota. I didn't know, though, that that was a thing. But apparently, Jell-O salad is a real thing that they do in Minnesota, and in the movie, it's served at Tammy's funeral. Um, there are actually other references to local food, including the Mount Rose High, ca- uh, High Cafeteria serves Lutfisk for lunch, which is apparently another thing. And several scenes include people eating um, and offering, quote-unquote, bars, which are considered an essential dessert for a Minnesota potluck. So there you go. Now, for those of you in the in the, the UK confused what Jell-O is, I believe that's just jelly. But the idea of putting jelly in a salad sounds gross to me. Yeah, that sounds awful. Sounds like the worst thing I've ever heard of. I, I literally couldn't think of anything worse to eat. <laughs> yeah, the, the fish uh, sounds well, I nice though. Of I like the sound of the fish. Yeah, they described good. the fish in the movie, and I like the sound of it. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not a fish guy. You should not. That's right. That's right. I remember this about you. I like, I like a good white fish. I'm not. I'm not a big seafood guy. Don't get me anything slimy. I don't want no shrimps or like. I don't particularly have a like, lobster or anything like that, but um, or like shellfish or anything like that. But I do love a good like, you know, like a salmon or a whitefish. You know. Yeah. Would you rather eat an oyster mm. or a dish with red onion in it? A dish with red onion. 
Really? You Oy- hate onion as well. I do. I but, like oyster grosses me out so much as a as, as a concept mm. before we even get to the actual eating of the oyster. Yeah, no, I I would vomit. I think immediately if I ate an well, oyster. I think it's Bad Sisters, isn't it? it? Has a scene where yeah, a man they... takes a tray of oysters to the bedroom for the woman to eat, as if it's like as if she's picking off a bit of cheese. It's fucking so weird. Yeah, anyway. um, I, yeah, that's correct. That is from the show Bad Sisters, and it made me feel sick to my stomach. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't right. Like the idea. That's... Anyway, um, the mall parking lot that Gladys pulls into um, is actually uh, where it was filmed as the Eden Prairie Center in Eden Prairie. Not the Mall of America, and funnily enough, that is the exact mall in which they shot the movie Mallrats. Way, little reference to Mallrats. Um, the original title of this movie was going to be Dairy Queens. Um, I don't have an answer to why title. that was. It's a bad title. Um, it had to be changed after the corporation that owns the brand Dairy Queen, the ice cream chain, filed a lawsuit. Um, I think the movie is better off. For that happening, I think "Drop Dead Gorgeous" is a pretty good name for this movie. It's a great, it's a great title for this movie. It works on so many different levels. Yeah. It's a great title. Yes, it is. Uh, the town of Mount Rose is fictional, but is an anagram of Rosemount, which is where the screenwriter uh, Lona Williams graduated from high school. Uh, meanwhile, all the other Minnesota cities mentioned in the film, such as Burnsville, Forest Lake, and Pine City, are indeed real cities from Minnesota. Um, particularly the St. Paul metropolitan area. Um, But yeah, so the the specific town is fictional, but the other towns nearby they reference are real ones. So there you go. Let's see what else we got here. Oh yeah, the sports team at Mount Rose High School are called the Muskies. This is a reference to, um, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but Musklunge, a fish found in northern Minnesota, um, whose name derives from the (laughs) Ojwiba word. I don't know if I'm saying that right. For ugly pike. But they, so there you go. More fish facts. Um, fish facts with Dan. Uh, Denise Richards was 29 years old when she portrayed the 17-year-old Becky Lehman. Um, I put that in because it do, it never escapes my notice when a f- nearly 30-year-old plays a teenager. Didn't It's not going to escape my notice when we finally sit down to review the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Um, and that adult man chases a school boss in the opening scene. And I always think as that kid, as some kid forgotten their lunch and their dad is bringing it to them. Um, same thoughts here. Uh, Denise Richards is obviously, you know, a very youthful looking person, but still clearly an adult. <laughs> um, weird. Always weird. Never, never escapes my notice. Yeah, it's weird. Um, um, I, I, didn't, oh, I didn't think of a way to work this in neatly this week, so I'm just going to have to say, during the Harry Potter movies, Daniel Radcliffe went through 160 pairs of glasses. I put it in, and they made a little asterisk next to it to remind me to come back to it and weave it in neatly to something. Forgot to do that. I think it's much better It's much better when you weaved it in. The Fast and Furious one was was beautifully done. Mm. Um, and this has made me, yeah. I, well, look, I've let, I've let myself down. After that. I've let, I've, look, Chris, I've let me down. I've let my family down. My, my You know, my good family name, I've, 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 you know. It's a, it's a time see, I, see, I know how little you would ever be bothered about letting <laughs> your family down. So that just feels so insincere to me, Dan. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Anyway, moving on, a couple of bits, but more, bits, bits more trivia, including an interesting, uh, an interesting cars exist this week. So let's, I'm excited, Chris. So, according to director Michael Patrick, 
uh, oh, Michael Patrick Jam. Kirstie Alley apparently refused to try on many of the costumes that the wardrobe had picked out for Gladys and instead asked for them to be sent to the Scientology Celebrity Center in Hollywood for her to try them on privately there. That's weird. Don't know why. Scientology is weird. I don't get it. Mm. Yeah, I don't understand that either. Nope. Strange. Um, Kirstie Alley used Frances McDormand's performance in Fargo, 1996, as her inspiration as Gladys um, regarding the specific sort of Minnesotan dialect and mannerisms. Um, I think you can tell that that's the inspiration for the accent, but let me tell you, if you're going to get inspiration for a Minnesota accent, going to anything Fargo-related is a good idea. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. There are much worse actresses you could crib from. <laughs> do you know what I mean? If you're going to do it, choose a good one. And she did, and it worked great. Um, now, this one's a really interesting one. Um, wait, let me just double-check that this is the, I've got the right character here. Uh, before I... Because it's got the name of the character. I want to make sure this is the character I think it is. Talk amongst yourselves. So, <laughs> the uh, the other day, uh, uh, um, someone I know's work, one of their colleagues uh, got out a bagel um, and without toasting or slicing it, ate it. Just bit into it like it like 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 you would an apple, mm. uh, and it's kind of um, it's blown everyone's mind a bit. Well, I don't know if you remember Chris um, on a statics a few years back. I, as a joke, prepared loads of food that I was going to slowly just keep pulling out on camera across the whole podcast, but I hadn't planned it out very well. And one of the things I had was just a dry bagel, like an uncooked bagel, and I took bits mm. of it multiple times as a joke and regretted it every time you can see the grossed out look on my face every time i eat it yeah such it's a, on camera we, the ter- we've given it a term free bageling um <laughs> and it's just it's just weird it's just a weird thing to do no one's happy about it and but it's I, but to be honest with you if you're gonna do that if you've got a free bagel the way you did it like taking off chunks i think is better than just biting into it like like it's the world's worst donut like, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I'm having trouble identifying who this character is. No, I don't Wait. need to talk more about bagels, do I? <laughs> no. No, no. Let's take one more second. I'm close. I think I'm close to figuring this out. Because I'm trying to... I, I, I don't understand who this which character this is supposed to be. And it's really important for this piece of trivia if I know which character. But I can't find them in the cast listing. I don't understand. Wait, do I need to go, do I need to go full cast and see if maybe it's someone that's not in the movie that much? Maybe that's what the problem is. Wait, I. Do you know? Do you remember which character was called Iona? Not even a little bit. Iona Hildebrand, the 1945 winner, played by. 1945. It must have been. Oh, right. It's it's the. I think I know who this is. Is this not the the assistant lady? That also had won it in the past. The one that's like with. Um, yeah, that would make sense. The one that's kind of with um, Kirstie Alley's character throughout a bunch of the movie. That must be it. So basically, the original ending was different. Uh, or sorry, one of the original endings was different. Um, the film's original ending had Gladys, Kirstie Alley, actually commit suicide in prison. 
and the sniper of the town was going to be librarian and former Mount Rose American team princess Iona Hildebrandt, played by Claudia Wilkins. But this was changed after a negative test screening. Yeah, that's That's... definitely worse. (laughs) Like, like, I don't, yeah. This chair is too squeaky, Chris. I need to. Because like, it's already weird because she seems to be firing like in the in a diner where the character doesn't work and Kirsten Dunst's character isn't inside the diner. But so it's even weirder if it's the random old lady. So, yeah, no, that's weird. Yeah. All right, Chris, it's time for everyone's favorite segment. Cars exist. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dan. Welcome to Cars Exist. So, um, it looks like the, the, the car driven by uh, our principal cast... Wait, 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 wait. Um, by, um, I think, the car driven by Kirstie Alley's character is a Plymouth Grand Voyager from 1987. But, Chris, there's more. Because when I looked up this movie on uh, the Internet Movie Car Database, there's quite a list of cars that show up just sort of in the background. You know, I noticed there was a Chevrolet uh, Stingray the Corvette one. I didn't notice it when I saw the movie, but I saw it in the system. Like, ah, that's a cool car. That's a pretty cool car. There's like, you know, various interesting cars throughout the whole movie because there's a lot of scenes like on, you know, like in car parks, but also towards the p- parade section at the end of the movie, you know, there's a couple of uh, pickup trucks, the Fords, the F-Series. But Chris, more importantly, I noticed two very important words. <gasps> Ford Taurus. Ford Taurus. So, for those who don't know the backstory, very quickly, when we started doing this podcast, obviously I noticed that a lot, a lot of the IMDb trivias they they would label the make of the car of the of that was used by the lead character as if that was trivia. Oh, this person drives a Ford Fiesta. Cool. And so we started Cars Exist. And sometimes the movies don't have those pieces of trivia, so I have to go to a website called the Internet Movie Car Database. Which is exactly what it sounds like. You go, you find the movie, you click on it, and it has pictures of every car that appears in the movie. And um, you know, Chris and I are kind of film and TV nerds, car nerds. The Chris's and Dan's of the car world are on this internet movie car database, identifying all the cars and their years and makes and models and all that stuff. And what we discovered is there's this amazing guy, an absolute hero to all, called whose username is JJ underscore John Johnny. And JJ underscore John underscore Johnny loves the Ford Taurus, particularly the Ford Taurus show. And he had hundreds of comments across many movies where he helped identify the exact model of Ford Taurus and its year of production. And he he was like a specialist in this one very specific kind of car. And we went through and read a bunch of his comments um, now, I just had to report that his comment on this one doesn't have the elaboration of some of his others, because obviously there were some we read where he was like, oh, this is definitely the Ford Taurus from 1989 because the bumper is this shape or like the color is this or the interior. We love is... him. He's, he's our hero. He's we love this man. We lo- I, like genuinely. It sounds like mocking. I promise you. When someone has this specific a passion, I... I'm always going to applaud them. This is so, so specific, and I love every second of it. So, Chris, the movie Drop Dead Gorgeous has a Ford Taurus in it, and I clicked to see if anyone had commented with details of the Ford Taurus. Now, the Ford Taurus is just seen in the car park when they pull into the Mall of America. It's not particularly 
clear in the image. Do you want to guess, Chris, has Johnny, uh, sorry, has JJ underscore John underscore Johnny commented? Of course he has. Yeah, yeah, fucking course he has. Well, you've just he's... told me he has for one and, and said it's not as detailed. So, yeah, he's definitely covered Oh, shit, I I'm... gave it away, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Now, all he put this time, sadly, was 1986 to 1988. Uh... <laughs> Is that it? Yeah, that's all he wrote. But I'm so that happy is... he's here. Uh, whoa, whoa. Sorry, Jess. You're all right, don't worry. Jess has just very kindly brought me in a drink and uh, in, in, in trying to sneak the door closed, locked, <laughs> knocked over the light. <laughs> which was was going to make a noise uh but not as big a noise as me going whoa whoa um that's a shame do you think do you think mockumentaries just aren't his bag because he's presumably well do you think he's watching the movies or do you think he's scanning through the movies looking for the full taurus well it's hard to say because when you click on a movie on the internet movie card database someone seems to have already gone through the movie found all the cars put the pictures up without labeling them and then it's kind of uh, down to the okay. community to go through the pictures and figure out the make and model. Um, that's my impression. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Mm. Um, but this, the, 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 you know, this Johnny, JJ, Johnny guy, whatever, the, the, JJ underscore John underscore Johnny, uh, loves the Ford Taurus, specifically from 86 to 95. Um, he thinks the, the 96 to 2006 Taurus is super ugly. And his collection involves three different cars, two of which are Ford Tauruses. And one is a Lincoln. Um, now, he has commented on dozens and dozens of movies. And he does often, uh, in the, especially in the early days. So if you look back through his profile, when he started, everyone was like a, 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 an amazing article. To be fair to him, maybe he's you know busier these days. Often now, he just, just, he just clarifies the year. Um, but yeah, um, on this movie, he, he just clarified the year. But man, I... I think there's a genuine chance we're going to continue to stumble. There are 19 pages of comments on his profile, so there's no way we're not stumbling. Oh, yeah, for sure. We will. There's no way we're not stumbling across him again. Um, but every time, are we no, gonna, we're going gonna, to we're gonna come over to our to our correspondent from Canada. Um, he's Well, I assume he's from Canada because he's got a little Canadian flag next to his profile. So I'm going to assume Canada yeah, that, that, yeah. from yeah. that. Um, seems, seems a fair assumption yeah so we're going to hop over to the pond to our Canadian correspondent and friend JJ underscore John underscore Johnny yeah absolutely Ian yeah love him um, yeah so there you go Chris that was that was dropped gorgeous I, I, I really enjoyed it um, I'm happy to you know next year to do the experiment again of watching a movie neither of us have seen um, you know nostalgia can't clown your judgement <laughs> in a, in a in an example like that, you've just got to take the movie for what it is. Um, I had a really good time with this one. Um, yeah, I'll be happy to do this again next year if we get a chance. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. I will. I'll take it. I'll take the mantle. I'll, t- I'll take the mantle of trying Are you to find. Pick? Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, then we'll we'll rotate it every year. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I, t- my understanding, so it's your choice next, Chris. Now I believe this is the last choice. Before we do the SEO-based selection of, and, and and to be fair, a selection we were going to get to eventually anyway, but um, yes, of, Indi- of the Indiana Jones trilogy, we're going to start reviewing the yes. Indiana Jones movies. We're going to do we're going to do the, the original Indiana Jones trilogy, um, uh, but first, I think there's one more selection that you have here. Okay. So, where are we going next? Well, so here's the here's the problem, Dan, because Dan and I had sort of discussed how. We've done some some slightly obscure movies this time. Obviously, we've done Fast and Furious, um, and Starship mm-hmm. Troopers is very much a cult classic. 
but we hadn't really we made that acknowledgement that maybe we've both I think got choice one choice left or choices left that aren't Indiana Jones so it'd be mm-hmm. good to maybe do like a film you would think of when you heard the premise of this movie right of this so podcast I I, you mean. of this podcast yeah mm-hmm. so I thought of a film that absolutely fits that bill is is considered a classic is iconic is a film that Dan and I both watched as children. I can say that with confidence. Both loved as children. But also a film that, when looking at it with a critical eye, you know, will it will it hold up? Will, it, will there be flaws we didn't notice the first time around, despite it being a classic? So it, it fits the brief on every level. The problem is, Dan, that that film doesn't have Amy Adams in. So, you know, we can't do Adamsing about next week. Oh, uh, no. If a film if a film doesn't have Amy Adams. And I genuinely <sighs> Well genuinely unless, uh, that was very good. That was excellent. Um we could do Adamsing about and say, uh, welcome to Adamsing about this week. Amy Adams not in this movie. So uh, failure on the Adams watch. Um back Maybe. to you. And we could... <laughs> there's there's an Amy Adams choice though, where which I've seen. It's not in any way a classic, but I've seen it. And it's a bizarre film. It hinges on you believing characters are going to make a choice that they make. And I wasn't sure watching it whether it did the job that it's meant to be doing. So I would be intrigued to rewatch it. But obviously, uh, go with your heart. But Chris, the idea that you might be influenced in your choice of film on me making a stray joke earlier about I was having a new segment based purely on Amy Adams' existence seems mad because that has a short shelf life (laughs) but maybe maybe that's this season of rewind reviews dan but i won't i will go i will go more with the premise i uh, i expelled the ultra you know one of the ultimate films for this premise a film we loved as kids does it actually hold up next week where you and i are doning doning some black suits we're wearing black ties and we're putting on shades and we're going to 1997's Men in Black. Yes. Such a good choice. Ah, oh, Chris. So there we go. You've made me very happy. Yes. Yes, yes, go. yes. Ah, oh, man, I've not moved that, I've seen that movie in years. No, it, it. I mean, it really does fit the brief. We categorically loved it as kids. Yeah. Will yeah. it hold up to a critical eye? Who knows? Yeah, I think the last time I saw it would have been like five or six years ago, maybe. There was this weird day when me and Andrew just kind of had the urge to watch it. But it was like, it's like Stephen, that's five, six years ago, at least. Um, I still haven't seen one. There's, I mean, maybe we'll talk about it more next week. But I, I still haven't seen the third one. And I really want to. The third one's got like a premise that's right up my street. Like third one was, shit, third one was surprisingly good. Third one was surprisingly good. I've don't, seen International. Don't... Oh, you haven't, have you? Poor I thing. didn't mind International. International was a fun romp for a Sunday afternoon viewing. Yeah, you're right. I, I see. I went to the effort of going to the cinema to see that and felt like I wanted my time back. But yeah, if I'd have seen it at home yeah. on a lazy Sunday, I probably would have been like, that was fine. You know, I yeah, passed, that I passed definitely a few hours of my time. Yeah, yeah, that's the way to watch it. Yeah. I made the mistake of actually going to the cinema to see International. Um, yeah, I can see why in that scenario you'd be like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not thrilled. Wasn't my favorite. Um, but I think the th- I think the third one is probably the the second best in many. But there's four Men in Black movies. Obviously, the first one was the best one. 
I think the third is the next best one. <laughs> so you probably should at some point see it. Because yeah. it's pretty good. Um, at least to my memory. Um, although I haven't well, seen that might... since it came out. So I, I saw that in cinemas this... also. In fact, I think I've seen all of these except for the first one in cinemas. This might lead to this might lead to us watching it, but then you know the problem with that is you got to watch the second one, haven't you? <laughs> yes, which is which is not good. That's true. Yes, very uh, much so. No, yeah, yeah. But I might, anyway. I might, I might watch the others after. But yes, Men in Men in Black is the choice. Excellent, excellent choice. Nod your heads. Black suits coming. Um, because we're in the wild. Hey, wild Dan, West. Dan. If, <laughs> other, if others movie. are excited about this and they wanted to listen to it now, well, I, I mean, that's not possible, is it? What do you mean? If the, if if someone's excited about Men in Black, us us reviewing that, and they were thinking, God, I wish I could wa- I wish I could listen to that right now. Mm-hmm. That's it's just not possible, is it, Dan? No, no, it's not possible at all. Uh, so that's everything for this week. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Of course, it's possible, Chris. What the people demanded, and we have we have actioned it. You can, indeed, listen to the Men in Black podcast right now. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify like a loser, well, guess what? You can be a winner. For as little as $1 a month, you can head over to the Patreon. We have access to a special exclusive RSS feed, exclusive to just you and the other, like, eight patrons that we have, that allows you to hear episodes of Analyzing Avatar. It's very exclusive. And uh, Rewind Reviews one week early. So you can hear Men in Black right now. And then next week, when all the other little people are getting their Men in Black episodes, you know what you'll be hearing? Indiana Jones. Jones. You're going to be ahead Boom. all the time. <laughs> Boom. So you can listen to it right now, unless you're already a member of Patreon, in which case you're already a week ahead and you have to wait a week. But we love you, if that helps. No, that definitely no. doesn't help. <laughs> no, no one is happy with that situation. Um, but yeah, um, uh, you know, the Patreon's pretty good. You, you know, it's, 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 it's we don't, um, you, you know, you can give any amount, obviously, there's there's tiers, but the, the way we do it is um, all the tiers are the same. Uh, we don't, it seems insane to gatekeep stuff. Um, also, we um, have either already, I know we, at this point we've almost definitely already released um, some bonus content on uh, the, bonus the Patreon. Bonus content. So we've got uh, a podcast, nothing but lyrics, where we where we pick an old song and review the lyrics of it. Um, for sure, we've done Limp Bizkit's "Break Stuff" and um, Spice Girls' "When Two Become One." So if you want to hear us read through those lyrics, and uh, to quite a, quite a spectrum we've covered in those first two, actually, <laughs> will you say them next to each other? <laughs> Um, yeah, when you say when you say it out loud, it feels like we're wasting our time and the and the listeners. But, but there's some fun. fun to be had. I, yeah, we we had fun recording those. They're not very, they're not particularly long. I think they're like thirty minutes, forty minutes each. Um, they're pretty good. We had fun doing them, and we, we're going to keep doing more. I think the next one we said we'd do would be Justin Bieber's boyfriend. Um, yes, so. I was trying to work that. I was thinking we we did select at the end like we do rewind reviews, but I couldn't remember what it was. Yes, boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So, um, you know, at least the first one of that is out now, or if not a couple, uh, there might be even two out by now. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I had fun making those um, join in. And also, obviously, another benefit to being on the Discord, uh, sorry, on the Patreon, is getting access to the Discord, where you can chat with us. Um, we were all um, on there last night chatting about uh, the, the, the very sad passing of Lance Reddick, um, which is a bit of a weird tone um, for our Discord. But then this morning, it was all joy because of the announcement of a, of a good burger, too coming so the discord is a real roller coaster <laughs> i'm saying it now mm-hmm. like power rangers 
mm-hmm. when that film comes out, we're doing a whole we're doing a whole Keenan and Kel Good Burger Two episode, baby. Yeah, and, I, and and when we did the Power Rangers one, we did it on NBS, and it was a bit out of place, but we kind of justified it because we're like, ah, it's kind of based on a TV show, so we're getting away with this. Um, we could just do that as a bonus rewind review episode. Yeah, I think so. I think we. I think if there's ever a modern movie that we make an exception for mm-hmm. and review as a rewind reviews, it's Good Burger Two. Yeah, I would agree. So yeah, uh, but we'd we'd have to do it as a bonus, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't fair. be a numbered episode, I don't think. No, 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 no. That's fair. Well, anyway, right. Uh, the part of me thinks we should. Part of me is it because you know we've reviewed Space Jam on nothing but static. We have done movies. We've done straight to streaming. And it is big. Space Jam was straight to streaming. So, Good Burger 2 is Paramount Plus, isn't it? Ooh, you're right. All right. Well, so, we'll think about that. I just feel like I don't want to rob the people because we just, we just reviewed Good Burger on this. This feels like the format for it. This feels like the place. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about, I'm talking about doing it in nothing but static and chopping it out as a bonus for Rewind Reviews as well. Hmm. I feel like if we do it in nothing but static, though, it won't be a full. We won't get the full treatment, the full focus. No, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Because we'll have to do news. We'll work it out. Recommend. Well, we'll have a think about it. We got. We mate. We got two years to think about it. It's, it's not happening. Anytime. They're shooting it this summer. We, this movie isn't coming out until like next summer. So we got. We got to be. Yeah, yeah. We got about a year and a half, I reckon, until we need to think about any of this. Um, so yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, that's all the the stuff you can do. If you want to comment on any of this, you can of course do so by uh, heading over to the YouTube channel where this episode has been posted as a, as a with a uh, in sort of video form but not with a video of us but just like images you can comment on there um, if you have any thoughts about Drop Dead Gorgeous um, you can email us mail at nothingbutstatic.co.uk uh, and of course other ways you can help us other than the Patreon is by telling a friend um, giving us a little review on the podcast platform of choice so if you are using um, iTunes or Spotify. I know I called you losers earlier, but try not to let that, let that influence your review. You know, um, five stars or, or no, no less. Um, I did find one the other day. It was like a two star review, and I can't remember what they said now, but it, it did make me chuckle because the guy seemed very ap- apathetic. Like, not apathetic. He seemed very like unimpressed. His cold comment was like, "Yeah, I guess this is fine." <laughs> I was just like, yeah. <laughs> I, was, "I was very pleased." I can't remember which store that was on. Um, it was, it, there was a that really good, like, for. down the middle review where the guy would just, he gave us like two or three stars and was just like, yeah, this exists. <laughs> it was brilliant. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, please feel free. Go over to the, the to go over to the, to the, to the YouTube channel, uh, not YouTube channel, sorry, to, the, to your podcast platform of choice and give us stars, likes, pokes, thumbs ups, whatever review format it has. That tells that app to share it with others. Um, yeah, and of course, keep listening if you that helps support us as well. Or if you didn't like this at all, uh, don't worry about it. Just stop listening. It's cool. We appreciate you giving us a go. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's cool. No, that's no cool. need to hate. No need to hate. Listen, we're um, yeah, we're not, we're, yeah. We, we're not particular. We don't, we don't have egos. We don't need the listens. We don't need the clicks. You, you can quite well. We've got use. egos. They're just uh, they're just very uh, they're very realistic egos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. they say about us. That's what that review said. Two stars, the most realistic egos in the biz. That is that is us, in a nutshell. The biz um, being low-rated pop culture podcast. <laughs> yep. So anyway, um, thanks everyone 
for listening. Uh, I'm going to hand over to Chris because I've just realised that he ends these, uh, and I'm very much in the habit of doing it because it flows off the the ending. But um, yeah, Chris, take yeah. it take it away. Here come the men in black, <laughs> galaxy defenders. Get ready for more of this next week. I've been Chris Billingham. I've been Dan Dewey. And that's and this review has been rewound. You put a little bit of like, uh, like oomph into that, and this review has been rewound. Like you—that's really... because I fucked it. That—that's because I was like, and this has been. I mean, uh, and this review. Uh, so did you? So was that you overcompensating? You were like, I fucked it. Yeah, so I better uh, yeah, really sure. put some effort in. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, make it sure. up to Dan. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, I love this podcast. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that was good fun. I enjoyed that. <laughs>